Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Center of Attention. This one's going to be special. We have our first two-time returning guest, Nico Bryant. Nico is one of, like I said before his last episode, and if you haven't listened to that one, go back. I think it's episode um, five. Yeah, I think it's, it might be four, actually. Episode four, um, Nico Bryant. It's called Wonder Twins Unite. He's one of my best and oldest friends. We talked about that on his first episode of the podcast, but... Uh, wanted him back on because um, we're, we recorded this the weekend week after Conor McGregor, Donald Cerrone had their fight, and uh, he was actually able to go out to Vegas and was there in person. So I wanted to get his thoughts on what he saw from the UFC event, being able to go out there in person, and then obviously we talk about football and, and all these other different kinds of sports. We're both from Denver, so we talk about the Nuggets and uh, the Broncos moving forward, how we think the AFC Championship and NFC Championship game went, and what we are expecting in the Super Bowl. So it's a cool episode, a fun episode, and um, it's a lot of work being able to have people call in and do these recorded podcasts but um I, I like having interesting people on the show for you guys and i think christian last week's episode is going to be i think you guys are going to enjoy that one when it comes out i'm recording this the day before that episode comes out and then obviously i think nico is one of the smartest people um i i know and he he did this agreed to do this and took an hour of his time as well so uh, he's busy. He's a busy guy, and I'm grateful that he's uh, agreed to do this episode of the podcast again. So um, I hope you guys enjoy this one. We talk about a lot: UFC, football, basketball, um, and then we talk a little bit about the XFL at the end, and then just being a senior in there in the last semester of college, and and what that's like, and how crazy it is that just four years ago we started school, and, and now we're moving to the point where we're going to be set up to go out into the real world and, and do that kind of thing. So um, if you want to follow Nico on social media, and, and I suggest that you do follow him because he's going to be doing big things in the sports marketing, sports agency world after he graduates, you can follow him. I'm pulling up his social medias right now. Uh, if you follow, want to follow him on Instagram, his handle is at Nico Eleven Bryant B R Y A N T and his first name is N I K O Nico Eleven Bryant uh, for Instagram and I believe that's his Twitter as well. So Nico Eleven Bryant for his social media pages. Um, give him a follow. Tell him you enjoyed listening to him on the podcast. Um, so that hopefully he comes on and keeps doing more of these episodes. And then if you're a fan of the podcast, you can listen on all available platforms: Spotify, iTunes. Uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, um, and Radio Public is another one. If you listen on Spotify, please follow the show. That way the new episodes pop up in your feed every week. And if you listen on any of the other platforms, like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and then rate and review the episode so we can try and move up the charts so that more people can um, learn about the show and more people can, can enjoy the show when they do come out. Uh, I said it on the last podcast when it was just myself. Um, the the fans are going to be called the Stable of Stallions. So let's build up the Stable of Stallions because uh, just a few stallions uh, isn't going to make anybody money. But if we have a huge stable uh, of stallions, then we we can do something here and we can turn this into uh, a big deal. So thank you guys again for listening to Center of Attention. Now please enjoy this episode with one of my brothers, Nico Bryant. Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the barrel's in your mouth. Come on. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. 
coming live from the VIP. Heard the nightlife lost life without me. Most feds in the state wanna see by me. The whole city got pissed. Heard he got. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Center of Attention. Uh, with a guest so nice, we had to do it twice. Nico Bryant's a guest again. Nico, you're two times in a month, so you're you're creeping up there for best guest in Center of Attention history so far. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, brother. I'm, I'm glad I was able to do this again. Yeah, it's going to be a, a fun episode. Um, you ended up actually, we talked about in your last episode that you were wanting to do a podcast with me after the the Cerrone McGregor fight happened. Then it worked out that you were able to go out to Vegas and was actually at the fight live in person. So you got a whole different expe- perspective than I was expecting. Uh, was that like a spontaneous trip or did you guys have that plan? Did you and your dad have that planned? Oh, uh, well, I, I remember when the fight first, fight first came out, um, I, I talked to my dad and I was like, well, I'd love to, I'd love to see this. And my dad has some ties to, to Cerrone. Um, he's been able to do some business for him. Um, so a big fight like that, I, I, I was, I was, I was hoping and praying, but I was able to go and, um, my dad was able to pull it off and we were able to go. So it was, it was a very, very exciting um, how, event to, to go to. How intense was it? I mean, you've been to fights in Denver before. I mean, and I've been with you to different fights in Denver. Was it a different feel being out in Vegas at T-Mobile? Yeah, I, I think I think T-Mobile Marina is such a great setup too for UFC fights. And um, they do such a great job promoting it in Vegas also with having um, – like big names come in to go watch it and everything. I thought I thought it was a really really cool atmosphere because obviously there's tons of um, stars there that night and uh, it 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 felt like a huge thing. It's it felt like a huge event. Definitely it was uh, live up to expectations. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that it's uh, it, it would have been doing pretty well if the model of the UFC was back doing pay per views. So. A lot of people enjoyed going out there. I'm sure the atmosphere was crazy. Uh, you didn't get into any fights with any Irish guys, right? Yeah, no, no fights, unfortunately. Because I know if they saw you walking around in a cowboy hat with a Bud Light, they, it's not hard to figure out who you're pulling for. Yeah, of course. I there's quite a big, big uh, cowboy following, though. I'll give it that. There was obviously majority McGregor fans, but um, the legend of Cowboy Cerrone definitely was in place, and a lot of a lot of fans there were. Um, UFC fans, so they know what Cerrone's all about. So it was more of mutual respect instead of uh, your guy sucks, my guy's going to win kind of thing. Well, that's good to hear. Um, well, you wanted to talk about the entire card because you, you got to see all, all the fights, obviously, and you is it, you enjoyed this card, right? You thought that overall it was one of the better ones that you've seen so far? I enjoyed it thoroughly just because um, I'm, I'm an MMA fan. Um, you when you look at the when you look at the card on paper, it probably was one of the better up and coming cards. Dana White does a great job of just looking at, or finding the best best talent, young talent, and then putting it on a showcase. Um, with a card like this, obviously the big names were Gregor, Cerrone, uh, Holly Holm, and Anthony Pettis, but. Dana, Dana going into this in the, in the weekend was like, I'm I'm gonna try to push these young guys and put these young guys' faces in front of screens because obviously people are gonna buy the fight because McGregor's name's on it. So putting names like Macy Barber and Sadiq Youssef and um, Diego Ferreira, like th- these these names where people not necessarily know who they are, but um, can put names of faces could could have became stars this weekend, but unfortunately they didn't perform the way they should have. 
Yeah, I, when it first was announced, I was intrigued by the fact that uh, it was going to be this this kind of card where it's a lot more young talent and you weren't stacking this one up to be one of the bigger pay-per-views of the year. Uh, they obviously saved their big shows for July and International Fight Week, but I did think that it was interesting for them to to pull the the put a whole bunch of young people on the card that could have had the opportunity to do huge numbers for them, but uh, they obviously had something different in mind. And those Cowboy and Connor are probably the only two that you can put on a card, uh, other than maybe DC and John Jones, that you can po- possibly build up new stars just by getting the people to buy it for the main event. And they definitely have the selling power to be able to do that. Yeah. Dana wise done such, I mean, the UFC in general has done a script, such a great job of marketing their products. Um, with like, obviously everybody's going to buy that card for the single name, but I mean, that's how stars have been born. Like people, people obviously still have names and faces with Holly Holm and be, being the only person or one of the only people to stop Ronda Rousey. And then also, um, Anthony Pettis, former champion. You still had those few here and there, but the people they faces were the two people they faced were also great fighters, and um, they try, he wanted to build them up. Like Dio Ferro, that was one of the most surprising things I saw on the card. Was I didn't think Pettis would have been stopped, but he he his ground game was incredible. He was able to stop him. But th- people like Macy Barber also, I think that that might have been the only the biggest disappointment. I thought the whole card, or because it was Roxanne Modafar, she she had a great fight, but. Um, I was come, going to the fight. I was like, oh, this girl's going to get absolutely rocked. But uh, Macy was able – Macy, I think – it was either the first or second round. I'm not sure. But um, she tore her MCL, and that just completely went sideways there. Yeah, I think I I saw that in her post-fight interview. She was talking about um, how she blew out her knee in the first couple of rounds of the fight and then had to finish off um, fighting a tough, tough girl in her own right with basically one leg and, and – it was a gutsy performance. What what are some of the? We'll save the main event for the for later. But what were some of the other things that stood out to you in in these fights, and what made it such a good card um, that you were able to experience? Oh, um, so I I, th- I thought the highlights mostly were come from come from the prelim card. Honestly, if you look at if you look at like um, the way the the main the or not the main event the main card performed on uh, the. Fair Pettis fight was okay, wasn't wasn't great, and then also the there was one fight on there that was scratched, which was interesting. The girl missed missed weight by five and a half pounds. That's, that that kind of blew her, blew the girl one of the girls' chances. Um, then if you go to Kelleher and Osborne, that wasn't terrible. Uh, and then Alexia Olenek, the the forty something year old with sixty fights, that was a big surprise also because this young guy who was six eight. So wanted to go to the ground, which I thought was very interesting. Um, Maurice Green, I, I, I was expecting a completely different outcome. Dude was six eight. Olenek, I think, was barely six foot, and with five or six, whatever uh, height differential it was, I just thought it was very interesting that he wanted to go to the ground. Son. Yeah, <clears throat> normally, I mean, the biggest guy that we've seen is Stefan Struve, and he never went to the ground, so that was. I get to see where you're coming from with thinking that he just want, would want to stand and bang. Um, well, I guess we'll, I want to start with Pettis just because he's kind of gone through. He he obviously had the, the great years where he was the UFC lightweight champion. He obviously has that highlight of kicking Benson Henderson in the face, jumping off the cage. Um, yeah, one of the craziest 
knockouts in history. Yeah, one of the best highlights in, in all of MMA history. And then he kind of went away for a little bit, had a little bit of a career renaissance at 170, and then being beat up by a young lion in Diego Fajara. Uh, where, do, where do you see Pettis going? Uh, his brother's actually making his Bellator debut this weekend. Sergio's making his Bellator debut. But what's what do you think is next for Pettis? Because um, if he can't beat Fajara, I don't think that he's going to be challenging for a title anytime soon. Yeah, I saw that his brother is over in Bellator now. I, I could easily see him going um, over to Bellator and trying to build their brand up or even going over to one championship in, uh, um, uh, I think it's Japan. I think, yeah, Japan. Um, I can see him going over there and possibly building that division up. Um, I think he, he he's still going to be a big face in UFC history just because of the pedigree he has. Um, but with his skill set, I'm – he, he 155 is a very tough division, and I don't know if he'll be able to ever climb back up. And then if he wants to stay at 170, that's also a big hill to climb, so I don't know. Yeah, and the, the guys at the top of the 170 division are guys that he doesn't match up very well against. He does have exactly. a de- he has a decent ground game, but he's not going to um, out-wrestle Camaro or Colby, um, and those are the, the top two guys at the welterweight division right now, yeah. barring Masvidal and Connor. So uh-huh. it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I think if he went over to Japan, he'd probably be a huge star because they would love his style of fighting, the big highlights, basically like a kung fu movie in a cage. So that that could be a good move for him. But it was kind of disappointing to see, and now he's more of a turned into more of a gatekeeper, I would say, instead of an actual title contender. Yeah, that, that's unfortunately that's where the point we're at. Um, Anthony Pettis, he still has a great resume of incredible fights and incredible career, but that's that's what happens when you get to that older generation. These young up and coming guys are just have a dog mentality and want to get get on the roll. It seemed like he almost <laughs> aged in dog years because he was only champion for maybe a year and a half, and then he yeah. lost the belt and was never able to get back towards that status. So he. He had a huge skyrocket, and it was quick, but it almost happened a little too quick for him because he wasn't quite a complete fighter yet by the time he won the title. That's true, yeah. He, he definitely he definitely uh, peaked at a certain time and has fallen off a little bit, but um, still, just because, just because of that one the one video, the one knockout he has against Vincent Harrison, he'll always be edged in history no matter what. Yeah, he was the first MMA fighter to be on a Wheaties box, so he did get yeah. he he got a lot out of it. It's just interesting to see how quickly he he rose and then how quickly he fell. But then uh, moving over now, um, did you want to talk about Holly Holm and, and her fight? Um, not not gonna lie, I didn't watch her fight. I wasn't interested in seeing it. I think that she's more of a a boring fighter, other than when she knocked out. Ronda in Australia. Other than that, her fights are kind of boring. So, uh, what did yeah. you see from Holly? Yeah, home. home I, I I would go into the fight. I was like, all right, maybe I'll let's see the kickboxing put on display because she's a world class kickboxer. I wasn't expecting for frick. What was it? Eight minutes of the fight or whatever it was against the cage and, and just just uh, trying to grapple the whole time. I was not expecting that. Um, Pennington, I know, is a good is a good stand up boxer too. So I. I wasn't expecting maybe a full-out um, boxing match from home and try her try to take the ground because I know most of her fights nowadays, she's her jiu-jitsu has been better. Um, so I was expecting her to try to get to the ground with Pennington, but 
I wasn't expecting the whole fight to be against the cage, which was a very fortunate, poor performance because if you look at uh, people, people base cards mostly off off the main event, but the main or the co-main event does really set up set up pretty much everything else. And I think it was just it was a dull in the whole card, honestly. Yeah, a lot of people have been calling it kind of a dud. Besides um, how the the main event ended, and some people aren't even happy with how the main event ended since it was so quick. But I agree with you. Sometimes the co-main event can kind of set the tone up for the rest of the fight. And the best one was actually another Conor McGregor card, the UFC 189 co-main event between Lawler and McDonald. Still one of the yeah. best fights I think I've sat down and watched the entire thing of. And uh, it, it set up the tone for McGregor to go in and win the interim uh, championship from Mendez. But it, it had such an amazing fight preceding it that you al- it almost didn't matter what happened in the McGregor fight that night. Yeah, that that McDonald Lawler fight will definitely go down as it's possibly one of the bloodiest, one of the craziest fights um, USC has ever had. It's unfortunate McDonald's is now over um, in Bellator because I would love to see him try to get to the title um, over in the UFC. But yeah, having having a good setup card going out to the main event will always build the card even more. And unfortunately, UFC two forty six didn't really have that. Um, if you look at the card in general, if if Cerrone would have won that main event, that would have been an absolute dud for the UFC. They, they would, it would not have gone. Dana would have been pissed. It would have been an absolutely um, horrendous card for the UFC in general because you try to build stars, stars and build it, and then you had one of the greatest fighters of all time come back, and then he loses also. So it was, it was a good thing for um, the UFC. McGregor came out on top too, um, but in general, the card it was, it was, it was good. Cool to see young and upcomers, but it could have performed a lot better. Yeah, and uh, part of, I think, what they're doing with the scheduling now is that they're not making the UFC as an organization doesn't really make any money off the pay-per-views. It's more the fighters that are worried about the pay-per-views. So they knew that they were going to make money anyway, so they didn't really care if if they had great cards leading up or if their young guys kind of turned into duds. They were going to make money no matter what. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. Yeah, they they definitely um, it was it was a setup card. It was a it was a setup card to predict the future for twenty twenty. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, well, we can get into it now with the main event. Uh, unfortunate way that it ended for Donald. I know you and your dad were out there trying to support Cowboy. I was trying to support Cowboy from uh, Gunnison here, and it uh, unfortunately didn't work out. I didn't necessarily think that he was going to be good enough to beat Connor. Uh, he's older and, and he has a tendency of not showing up in, in big fights. And um, it, it reared that tendency, unfortunately reared its ugly head again to where he gets, he gets knocked out in 40 seconds uh, by a returning rejuvenated Connor McGregor. That's probably the best I think Connor's looked since he fought Eddie Alvarez. Um, it, it was just an unfortunate way for it to end. So, what, what were your thoughts on the main event and how Cowboy and Connor went at it? Obviously, Connor looked amazing. Um, him being back 170, he looked like an absolute natural. I don't know if he's going to stay there or what he wants to do with that. Should be interesting. But uh, people, people are, are are dissing Cowboy and all that for 42nd, not showing up, all that. I think it's a bunch of rubbish. When you look at the man's last four last four fights. Or sorry, yeah, four fights. They're against the top four, of the top five in the division. So 
sorry, no, three of the top five. He's fought the last three fights. He's fought Justin Gaethje, absolute animal. Tony Ferguson fighting for the title, and now Conor McGregor. All those three guys, their last fights were against Cowboy Cerrone. They have not fought anyone else. He's fought those three guys in the span of six months. And if you if you look back at the, the his last fight before, Ferguson absolutely busted his nose. Ferguson, he, 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 he's coming off a broken nose of four months. McGregor's so smart, he knew exactly what, he, his game plan was exactly this. Go into the fight, try to bust his nose right away. Bust his nose right away, he's going to have him on the road to go right away. That's why he came in flying with that left, with that left hook right away. Mm-hmm. Um, only, only way Cowboy, I could have seen Cowboy getting out of that whole situation when Connor was flying is if he was eight, when he when he ducked under that by grabbing underneath his legs and trying to take him to the ground. But I didn't think he wanted to do that. But that first punch that was missed, people are, people forget that then the most damage might have been that knee that caught Cowboy um, coming up once um, Cowboy ducked the. Uh, left hand from Connor, and then once that knee landed he tried to stand back up and those shoulders already cracked open a busted nose that's been that was broken four months ago or whatever it may be and once that was over it, the night was done for for cowboy unfortunately it was it's it was unfortunate um that it happened so quickly and i i thought it would have been would have been much fat well, much much longer fight um but Cal- or sorry, Connor knew exactly what he wanted to do and what he needed to do to get out of there unscathed, and that's and that's that's what he was able to um, get through and finish. Yeah, he didn't even mess up his hair. Um, that I think that's the first fight where I've seen one fighter not land a single punch that they threw. Granted, Cowboy only threw one, um, but I, I agree with you that people are are coming at Cowboy in the wrong way. Because if you do look at his resume, not only are his last three losses are to Ferguson, Gaethje, and, and Connor. Um, before that, he's fighting Ally Quinta, who's a really tough fighter that he was able to beat. He fought Darren Till. He was Darren Till's come-out fight as well. He, the guy just doesn't care who or where or when he fights. And um, sometimes that kind of leaves you susceptible to different things. I don't think anybody expected Connor to come out and throw shoulder strikes from the clinch. I don't, I think that was a little bit, um, mm. unique that nobody was thinking about. And, uh, this is different to me. This this is different for me than when Cowboy went in and, and lost to RDA. When he w- lost to RDA, he didn't look like he was ready to go. Didn't look like he was going to fight very well the entire time leading up to it. And uh, I think the moment was too big for him in that fight. In this fight, I don't think that he had a problem with the moment. I just think that he ran into a guy who's trying to come back and prove that he is one of the best fighters in the world um, and come off. Like we said, if Connor had lost this fight, um, it would have been really bad, not only for the UFC, but it would have been really bad for Connor because then he only has one option for the next fight that he can make money off of. Now he has tons of options, could stay at welterweight and fight for the title, could stay, could go back to lightweight and fight for the title there against Khabib after Khabib and Tony go at it. But um, the context definitely matters with this fight and how you look at it for Con- for Cowboy. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate seeing what the media has been saying, and it's, I'm, I'm a big fan of first take and listening to that. Yeah, you look, did morning. you hear Stephen A. Smith? That 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 really grinded my gears there. Saying Cowboys wasn't ready, didn't show up, like poor performance. I get it; he's been, he was knocked out in 40 seconds, but you got to remember, Cowboys or sorry, Connor has knocked out someone out in 12 seconds. Like it's it's not like yeah, Connor's like, coming off of the second fastest knockout in UFC history. 
Exactly. Cow, cow or Cowboy is no slug. He's it's unfortunate that he ran into an absolute buzzsaw on McGregor, but it's it's nothing you can do when you're coming off of a four month um four months ago you broke your nose. And then the guy has a great game plan and going straight for it and that's how he that's how he won. If you get your nose busted in the first eight five seconds of the fight you're telling me the dude gave up, and it's it's, it's ridiculous. I, I would love to see Stephen A. get popped in the nose and then fight for another thirty minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if you want to see Stephen A. fight. If it, there's a video. <laughs> there's a video going around Twitter of him hitting mitts, and it, it's ugly. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, it's. It, I think it was very very unfair of what he's saying about Cowboy. Cowboy came in a fight ready. It just he. McGregor or Connor's one one of one of the absolute greats, that's for sure. And he had a great game plan going in, knew exactly what he needed to do to get in there and get out unscathed and ready to go and possibly march. Um and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, uh that that's the problem. I mean, it's great for the UFC to get the new deal with ESPN and ESPN's trying to do all they can to to build them up and and use the UFC in the right way, but then you have guys who have no idea what they're do, t- talking about, talking about fights. Um, Stephen A. I don't think knows much to do about anything other than basketball. I think basketball is his main thing that yeah. I would listen to him for. But even when he talks about, even if you go just with first take and you listen to Kellerman talk about UFC, Kellerman thinks that UFC is glorified human cockfighting. So there's not much other than Chael Sonnen. There's not much on ESPN that um, is going to not many people at ESPN that are going to understand what Cowboy went through and why it's okay that he did lose in 40 seconds and that got that he got knocked out right after he broke his nose. Yeah, Cowboy will just because he not got knocked out in forty seconds. You got you can't take anything away from him. He still holds so many records. Still an absolute legend. But unfortunately, he's not Mystic Mac, and that, and and he he ran to an absolute buzzsaw on Conor McGregor. And McGregor showed everyone in the world why he is pound for pound one of the best in the world. Yeah, and now it's staying in that same lane. We'll we'll try and see if you can channel your inner Mystic Mac. What do you think happens with Cowboy? Um, I talked about it. We had our radio show earlier today. We're recording this um, on a Wednesday. It's not going to come out for another week yet, but we talked about it on Gunnison Sports Talk Radio. I brought up the idea that maybe it's time for Cowboy to retire. Um, There's not really much else I think that he's going to be able to accomplish in the UFC. He has a couple other fights that could possibly be – pretty interesting but he's not really going to be back in the title picture for a while um he's a little bit older now he has a family holds all the all these records in the ufc he's a for sure hall of famer um what do what do you think is next for cowboy and is that retirement well i did see today that i think um uh las vegas bike commission or whatever maybe did put a six-month ban on him so he he does need to and they do that not because of drugs or anything or um substance abuse it's because of just the amount of either knockouts or whatever it may be so i did see that so he will be taking a break for here for a little while but um i i could easily see him coming back he 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 got he got paid (laughs) this weekend yeah he he made a lot of money for 40 seconds of work he he got a lot of dough this weekend for fighting for 40 seconds so i don't think he's too mad about that obviously he would have loved to win Um, i could see him going back up to 170 I just don't. I don't see him working his back way up to the title at 155. If he wants to possibly go after the title again, I could see him going up to 170 and trying to work his way back up there. But the 155 pound division is obviously still one of the 
premier um, weight classes in the UFC right now, and has so it has a murder's row of top five fighters that can all beat the crap out of each other any any night of the week. So I don't see him possibly going um, one fifty five. I could see him possibly moving back to one seventy and staying there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't think he's done. Um, I think he's still got a few more years. I still think he is still chasing that illustrious title. That's that's the one thing that's motivating him more than anything still. And I could see him possibly doing that 170. If you were his friend and were trying to give him advice, do you think that if you were close to him, like in his inner circle, do you think did you start bringing up the maybe it's time to if, – if he doesn't want to retire right away, I understand nobody wants to retire on a loss, but maybe it's time to start thinking about moving towards a retirement tour possibly, um, get a big fight, get another big payday before he hangs it up. But um, – is, do you would you possibly try and bring that up if you were in his inner circle and he was going to listen to you? I I don't know. I, I just think the person he is also he, he doesn't want to go out like that. Um, just because that's the man he is. I don't think he wants to end his career with um, a, a loss like that. I I could I, I know I feel like he's going to get another fight. It just all depends on how he's healing from this fight, how his nose heals up, and once you break your nose, nose is one of the trickiest things because once you break your nose, that thing can be busted so easily if you flick a dude's nose after after before he breaks it it can possibly but burst into pieces so it's it's nose is especially one of those specific things it's not like a um acl or or a quad tear or whatever it may be where you can heal up and where you can take time to come back and nose is very very tricky so it should be interesting to see what he wants to do but i would i would say keep going um just because the legend he is (laughs) but I don't know. I, I definitely think he's at, he's at the tail end where I could see him trying to go for a 170, the one seventy title, and then eventually, um, if if he doesn't string together some fights after a break, um, he he should retire. I believe so. All right, now going to the other side. What do you think is next for Connor? There's a couple different options now. Um, he could fight Masvidal, which seems like the most surefire thing that's going to happen. Um, that could be for the BMF title if they do want to put him into a title fight the next time that we see him in the octagon. And that would be kind of cool because you could build up the guy with the fastest knockout in UFC history and the guy whose record he beat. It's almost like a blood sport. I don't know if you've ever seen blood sport, but uh, um, it's basically the two guys fight because the one guy broke the record for the fastest knockout. That could be something. Um, Or there's the option for him to go back down the lightweight after Tony and Khabib fight because now he's coming off of a win against a marquee opponent like Cowboy. Um, It's not that – it wouldn't be a Jose Aldo situation getting the title shot after a loss against Henry Cejudo. Um, So that's another thing that can happen now. And then there's obviously always going to be the possibility for him to go up against Nate Diaz again. So what do you think is – what would you want to see – Personally, as a fan, and then what do you think is most likely going to happen with Connor next? Personally, right now, I would absolutely love to see the Masvidal fight. I think I think Masvidal versus McGregor would be one of the biggest pay per views of all time, and not even for a title. Or I, mean, you could put the BMF title up, but not necessarily for the gold. I think those two men, they're the absolute craziest people on this planet. People forget Masvidal fought in a backyard of Kimbo Slice's Florida home and would knock people out. Like the is no joke. People that think that possibly McGregor is one of the craziest dudes in the like in the UFC got to look twice and when they look at Masvidal. But obviously right now I think Carter went into this fight thinking, "All right, let's try to get this over with finished." 
So I come out unscathed, and then I'm ready for March. What I mean by March is the Ferguson-Habib fight. Mm. It's, it's happened twice already, and possibly could happen a third time. One of them pulls out. And now him being unscathed and ready to go, I could see him easily being put into that fight right away. Um, I, I, I He definitely was thinking about that going into this fight. Okay, let's try to finish this first round. Try not to get too banged up and be ready to turn around back in March and go at either Habib or um, Ferguson, which I hope that fight goes on because that would be an absolute incre- that's going to be an absolute incredible fight. But just in case someone's camp does mess up, he's he's being ready to go. I think right now the logical thing to do right now is to face him against Masvidal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I think there's other people at the 155 pound division right now that should possibly get another title shot before him. I could see people like Dustin Poirier getting in, getting back in the title picture or Justin Gaethje. Um, I, I, would, I, I think what I'd love to see right now going forward is that winner of um, Ferguson and uh, Habib possibly facing the winner of the Gaethje-Poirier fight. I think that's the next title, title fight at the 155. And then after that fight, you go from there. But I, I could see Connor possibly facing Masvidal. And then winner of that goes goes and faces Diaz again. Whether it's Connor, you get the trilogy fight, or you get Masvidal with the um, rematch of the unfortunate stopping of the first Diaz fight. Um, so I think that's the way they're going. I think Connor right now it's it's a very tacky subject because I think if he stays at one seventy. It, it could it could be trouble, um, but you, then again, you never know with McGregor because he looked really he looked he looked good on Saturday night. He looked really good. He looked um, healthy. I, I, he looked healthy he for looked, sure at one seventy. He looked very healthy, but I don't know when you look at the people like Usman, who's an absolute animal. Look at the people like freaking um, Colby Covington, who's an absolute animal. These dudes, although Cowboy is one of the legends, there he's not. He's not big like them. Usman was weighing around 200 pounds on the night of the fight. Cowboy was weighing about 180 and fighting down to 170. And Usman's cutting about 30 pounds. And that's an absolutely different animal. Um, so I don't I don't know what his future is. I, I see definitely Masvidal be coming up. And I see a trilogy with Diaz happening as well. Um, but I think for him to get back in the title picture at 155, I think a few things need to happen. Um, a few fearless things need to happen, which I think is very likely. There's there's a very good likelihood in 2021 we could see Connor versus Habib again. Yeah. But I think as of this year right now, I think the smartest move is facing him against Masvidal and then possibly Diaz again. And then once he gets – if he gets through both of those, then possibly f- facing um, the 155 champion. Um, but it will be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, and Habib trying to fight at this time. We're coming up on uh, after this fight. He's probably going to get pro- a six month suspension, like we just saw with Cowboy, because uh, yeah. the fight's not going to be pretty w- between him and Tony if they make it to the cage. Uh, Tony's going to cut him up with elbows, even if Khabib's on top of him. It's going to be a rough fight for both guys. So neither of them is going to be ready to fight for very long. And then if he does get that six month suspension after this fight, Khabib's going to uh, observe Ramadan for his Muslim religion. He doesn't really like to fight or train during that time. So if he's still the champion, that title is going to be put on hold till probably July, maybe, but possibly even later than that. So. It gives Connor enough time to get another fight against Masvidal, possibly, and then if he wins that one, that builds up enough of a buzz that you can put him back into the title picture ahead of Gaethje or Poirier. I agree with you. I think Gaethje should get a shot. Maybe 
Um, if he does want to fight again in March, they can give him Gaethje and have Gaethje and Connor basically fight for the number one contender spot after Khabib and Tony. Um, but the, there's a whole bunch of different moving parts. I think that the Nate Diaz fight after the win against Cowboy, um, Connor's going to probably push that off as long as possible. That's going to basically be his last ditch cash grab effort, I think, after yeah, he's, he's done fighting. So it, there's a lot of different things that are going to happen. Um, we we haven't talked about the Khabib Ferguson fight and just kind of seeing the way that you were talking about it. You, are, are you on Khabib's camp there? Or are you thinking Khabib's going to beat Tony? Well, Habib is—he's—he's he's a different animal. He's—he's he's one of the best wrestlers I, I think UFC has ever seen. But you got to think. Remember, Ferguson is no—he's no slouch. Mm-hmm. Man's an absolute animal. It's unfortunate the first few times this fight has um, been put put on put down. It's, yeah, it's, the, it's not happened. The first time was um, tiramisu gate, and the second time was a random cable at the UFC Tonight taping. Exactly. So it—I'm it, expecting an absolute war. Uh, I'm interested to see what else they put on the card. But I think I think it, that could be possibly one of the biggest cards. Um, just technicality, the UFC will do this year just because Habib and Ferguson is going to be. It could be another um, Roy McDonald, uh, Robbie Lawler type of fight where they they just go at each other all the whole time, and it's an absolute bloodbath. Yeah, I'm super excited to see that fight. That might be actually one that I buy just because. Um, it's going to be bloody, and I think Ferguson has a chance. I don't think Ferguson is getting enough credit from people who are looking at this fight because Tony was a, a very good college wrestler, and now he's a, a jiu-jitsu wizard. He trains with Eddie Bravo at 10th Planet, and he's learning all those different crazy styles and crazy ways to get into different submissions, and he's also using the break dancing and the salsa. He's just unlike anything else. And I don't know if Khabib can handle that much of an unorthodox style. And then Tony's also deadly from the, his back to where he can cut you up with elbows. He can put you in a triangle choke. He, I think he has the most darts chokes in UFC history right now. Um, just because his arms are so long, he's able to do that. Uh, that might be a fight that I have to go a- and buy because that's going to be a, a, hell of a, a hell of a contest. Yeah, it should be good. Tony is definitely one of the most dangerous people on his back, which – which could be the very well case with Habib, who wants to wrestle almost the whole time. Um, so with a, with a guy whose whose ground game is that good, and his is 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 a uh, um, stand stand up is also very very good. It could be a problem with Habib. So it should be it should be very interesting. I'm so I'm very excited to see that. Um, I'm hoping maybe they put Poirier and Gaethje because people 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 forget Poirier Poirier's man animal as well mm-hmm. uh, he, he could easily um be one of the top he's, he's one of the top guys and people are just writing him off i can see him facing connor as well um they fought uh, i can't for remember how ago. long ago it yeah. was but it was right at the beginning of connor's career and yeah Poirier's first fight at, it was Poirier's first fight at featherweight too that was the first time that he dropped from lightweight to featherweight so I, I could see him fighting. I I don't know. It's it, there's there's a lot of different matchups you could do with 155, and it's it's a great thing to have if you're the UFC. Yeah, with the way that they've been turning out fight cards, this is about as good a situation as they could have hoped for coming out of this last weekend. Um, but that's I'm glad you had fun. I'm jealous. I'm super jealous that you were able to go to the fight, um, and. Uh, get to experience that I, i've always wanted to go to some fight in vegas because vegas is technically the fight capital of the world um so it's cool that you got to go out there uh did you were you able to recover and watch the championship games 
for the next day? Oh, oh yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, the we, I was able to um, watch the fights. Uh, was out pl- playing a little bit of blackjack too after the UFC fight. I had to win some of my money back, but <laughs> then I was able to wake up the next morning and go watch some of the games at the, at the uh, Caesars Palace uh, Sportsbook, which is fun. There's there's tons of people there, and um, I see a big a lot of fans rooting for all four. First things first, did you win your it's money really back? It's really cool atmosphere in Vegas too. Um, when sport events are going on, because you see a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 a great atmosphere. But yeah, I was able to catch those um, championship games. Did you win? Did you win your money back at the blackjack table? Did you pull a Coach Ken and and come back with more money than you went to the table with? I I, I would I could say yes to that. <laughs> I did I did I did bet on Cowboy to win, which. So I lost some money there, but I was able to win it back playing blackjack. So it was, I came out positive. Yeah, ran, random tangent here. Uh, you remember when we would go out to Vegas for those football tournaments like we were talking about on the last podcast? Well, of course, And, yeah. and then uh, the coaches would all show up with sunglasses on? Yeah, I know. Yeah, my mom and my parents just told me over Christmas break that, oh, yeah, we used to go out a lot before your guys' games. We just were confident that you guys were going to go go out and win. It was like, oh, yeah. th- thanks for going out and get, getting hammered right before we had to play <laughs> the national yeah. tournament. <laughs> so uh, the, the, they're still just proving why I want to strive to be them when I'm coaching my little, <laughs> little league football team in the future. Exactly, yeah. All right, so – I guess we'll start with the Titans because uh, one of the boys was on the field during that one. I know you were rooting for the uh, uh, Titans because of Luan and you like his podcast just like I do. And then also you're rooting against the Chiefs because you're you're a Broncos fan. Obviously, you're rooting against the Chiefs. So what were some of your thoughts from that game? Uh, Yeah, obviously, I'm a big Broncos fan. So the last thing I want to do is see the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. But the Titans – they 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 ran into an absolute buzzsaw as well in the Chiefs. Um, that offense could score at any time, any place. Like they score well. And that's what really hurt um, Tennessee because they got off to such a hot start, and then that running game just did not continue what it has in the last few weeks, and that really hurt them. If they were able to keep Henry um, under check, then the Chiefs were obviously going to win that game. But if they were able to run the ball and run the ball hard. And, shoot the clock they would have came out on top of that but it's unfortunate that's how it happened and now we have the Chiefs the Super Bowl which should be interesting because um, they have they're one of the teams that haven't been there in I think 40 years or something like that so yeah, uh, yeah. it's good for their fan base although I'm, I'm not <laughs> happy for it <laughs> just because of Broncos fan but it's good for them fuck them but it's good for them yeah yeah exactly good for them yeah that's uh Kind of the sentiment that I've been hearing because there's a lot of Broncos fans that go to school here. And one of the co-hosts on the show, uh, Gunnison Sports Talk Radio, is a big Broncos fan. So I was sticking it in his craw a little bit because they always give me shit for the Bengals and and not winning anything. But yeah, uh, it's 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 good for the good for the um, NFL that it's two different teams in the Super Bowl. Um, but it's unfortunate that it's the Chiefs. <laughs> Yeah, I think the Titans in the Super Bowl wouldn't have gotten as many uh, the ratings that the Super Bowl is going to get now that it's uh, the 49ers and the Chiefs. 49ers are obviously one of the best franchises in NFL history, and then the Chiefs have the best player in football who's going to be the highest-paid player in football next season when he gets his new contract. Um, he's That offense is something else. They were able to put off, I think they scored like, 
35 unanswered against Houston after not basically not showing up in the first quarter. They were able to score 28 unanswered against Tennessee. It was, it was absolutely insane. Um, what do you think is going to happen with the Titans and their quarterback thing, their quarterback little carousel that they have going on? Because Mariota hasn't worked out the way that they wanted him to. He's at the end of his contract. Tannehill was on a one-year deal, and now you got Tom Brady potentially looming in free agency. What do you think is going to happen with the Titans and their quarterback situation? I, I don't think they'll get Brady. Um, I, I don't think that's that's not that's really out there for them. I think I could see them letting Mariota walk because I think I think it was last, that was his last year on the deal. Yeah, I guess I could yeah. see letting him walk and then possibly giving Tannehill another one year deal and possibly drafting a quarterback in the late rounds just to see um, what they like because I think drafting a quarterback in the late rounds it gives you a little bit of leeway. Um, if Tannehill doesn't pay off, you can let the young guy go back in. Uh, but I don't see them going out and possibly drafting a quarterback very high. Um, I can see them possibly sticking with Tannehill for a little bit just because of all the great year he had. Um, I think it's unfair to him to draft a quarterback real quick and just go from there. But I think give him another year, um, if, if, see how next year pans off. If, he, if, if they're another playoff team and runs deep, then you start building around him. But um, See if he's a one-hit, one-year wonder. If if so, then you can possibly set yourself up to draft quarterback next year. Yeah, they would probably – if he doesn't work out the way that they would expect him to, they'd probably be in the sweepstakes to get uh, Trevor Lawrence or uh, one of the other quarterbacks that's going to be coming out in next year's draft. I thought that Brady to the Titans made a little bit of sense just because Vrabel used to be his teammate. It's a warmer climate than Foxborough, which Giselle doesn't want to stay in, in New England any longer. And there's a ton of old Patriots on the team, and that team is set up for Brady to be able to manage the game on offense, give hand the ball to Derrick Henry 25 times, and they just got to bolster their defense a little bit. They could possibly – I could see them being a Super Bowl contender if they were able to nab Brady in free agency. Yeah, the one, the one, the one thing that, that kind of caught my eye this weekend also at the fights was obviously Brady was there, but – if you look at people who he's sitting next, he was sitting next to Mark Davis. That's not much of a coincidence, I think. <laughs> I think possibly a great opportunity if um, Tom was they decide to leave Foxborough would be the possibility to move to the Raiders. Um, obviously, team brand new team in Las Vegas, NFL would absolutely love it. They that could possibly bring in a huge following if he wanted to go to the Raiders. Um, I, however, I don't really see him leaving, but I, I think if he does decide to leave, I think the Raiders right now would be at the top of the list. Um, coming to Vegas, being in the bright lights, um, a brand new team in Vegas, I think that would be an absolute dream for the NFL to have. But I, I still don't think he'll leave, though. That's the only thing. Oh, you poor Broncos fans about to have Mahomes and Brady in the same division. Yeah, but Brady's on the older end, so we'd only have to worry about him for a few years. Yeah, it'd probably be a couple of years, but... uh. That would be interesting. I didn't think about him going to Vegas, and that would be. I think Goodell would probably enjoy that too, because then they wouldn't have to worry about the Raiders not being able to pay off their brand new stadium, which looks sick, by the way. And you just got to see it in person. Does it look as good in person as it does on Twitter? Yeah, it, it's. I'm not gonna say it's sick because I'm a Broncos fan and I absolutely despise it. Well, you could say it's sick, as in you're gonna throw up when you go there, but. Yeah, it's sick as in I throw up if I ever watched the Raiders play there, but um, it it was a really it looked really cool. Um, they they definitely have done a really good job of building up, um, putting a Vegas vibe to it. 
Yeah, I think that they're going to have no problem selling out either because people who go to vacations to Vegas now, that could be another attraction. They don't have to just spend all their time at the casinos losing money. They can go spend their money at the stadium watching the Raiders play whoever they're going to play. And, and I think they'll get uh, the opposing teams that are going to go to Vegas, they'll get a lot of their fans because they're going to want to go out there for a vacation. And then they get to see their team play. So. They, they're in a really good situation. People who are thinking that it's going to be bad to have a, a professional team in Las Vegas, first off, should have looked at the Knights and seen how well they did and how they packed their arena out pretty much every night. And then now with the Raiders, who are one of the faces of the NFL franchise-wise, I know you probably don't want to hear that, but Mark da or Al Davis did a ton for the league, and they're still one of the top teams historically in the entire NFL. Yeah. I think I think if they possibly got a face like Tom Brady to bring in a quarterback and just having that Oakland Raider face, just it, the NFL is better when the Raiders are halfway decent. Um, when they're at the bottom of the barrel, it's not necessarily a thing just because of the history the Raiders have. Um, if they possibly were to land a guy like Tom Brady, I think it'd be incredible for the league. But I still don't necessarily see that happening because I, I don't. Know, I, I I I think him and Belichick will go out together in Foxborough also in the sunset. Um, and him leaving is just unlogical. Um, but it's you never know nowadays because he could go get paid somewhere. Yeah, I think that's what he's looking for. Um, real quickly, just to stick with the Raiders, if you were the if you were out Mark Davis, do you keep Comp or do you keep or, or if you can get Brady, do you go and get Brady and let Comp go? You're talking about Derek Carr, right? No, Will Compton. Will Compton. That's who I'm talking about. Oh, to go, to you, you, are you keep keeping on. the boy around, or are you going to bring in the goat? Uh, I definitely keep definitely uh, go after the goat if you're talking about money wise. Go after the goat if you if you have a chance to get Brady and he's he's interested. Go, you got to go all in. Yeah, it's uh, far fetched to think that Will Compton's going to be in the league at the start of the season since he missed all training camp last year. But I, I could I could see him possibly even go to the Broncos too because Broncos could use some depth of linebacker, so I'd, I'd enjoy seeing that. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun, and then he would be close around. Maybe I could hook up with him and, and get us on the podcast. That would be cool. But yeah, that'd be sick. Uh, now moving over to the NFC Championship, obviously the 49ers handled the Packers. There's a couple of different things that I wanted to talk about with this game. First, just being do you think Aaron Rodgers gives a shit anymore? Do you think that he cares about anything other than being in State Farm commercials and, and making money and then going home and, and hanging out with Danica? I I think he cares, obviously, still, but I don't know. He um, It was definitely a, a tough showing for him. I, I think this year he his arm wasn't the way it should be, and they relied heavily on the run game, and then the run game didn't get going. On, on Sunday, um, and that really hurt them. So I I don't think it's done. I, I I think people are writing him off way too soon. I think I still think he has some very solid years ahead of him, and if they put the right pieces around him, um, they could still make another run. But I think they I think he does need some more weapons on offense. Jimmy Graham's getting older in age. Devontae Adams is obviously a star, but um, having one guy where they can key on is it's 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 a nightmare because then you got no one else to throw to. Uh, and you're just stuck handing the ball off to Aaron Jones every other play, uh, or every play. So it's I don't think he's he's done, but um, I think he still obviously cares. He he definitely um, didn't take that one very lightly. I feel like. Yeah, he, that business decision that he made made Newton not going for the fumble in Super Bowl Fifty. It made Newton look like he was diving a fat kid diving on a cupcake. 
Rodgers yeah. basically like swatted it away and just gave possession over to the 49ers. And it was a fumble that was his fault. The ball hit his hands and he just let it go. So that was the only reason I bring that up just because he looked so lackadaisical and made that big business decision instead of trying to fight for the fumble. They were in the game for a while. I mean, when they came back, it was, I think I saw it at like 27, 17 or something like that. <clears throat> they had the chance to come back and win if they, if they really put their, put their minds to it, I guess. And, and uh, they were given chances. It just, it was, they didn't um, yeah. capitalize when they could have. It's in, it's incredible that, to me that in 2020 an NFL team could win an NFC Championship game by only throwing it eight times. Yeah, that that 49ers. For, I'm I'm obviously going to be rooting for the 49ers just in the Super Bowl, just not only because of the Chiefs uh, are on the other side, but I love I love Juice Check and I love Kittle. I just think they they have that old school mentality, just run the ball down your throat. And then who all, we also have an absolute stud at quarterback who can chuck the ball to any receiver he's got and absolutely kill you that way. So I, I'm I'm a big fan of what they're what they're doing out of San Francisco and obviously Shanahan um, being a Cherry Creek graduate as well. Yeah, I was just about um, to bring that up too. Yeah. I was just about to say that's we, we're basically rooting for our alma mater if we root for the 49ers in this one. Yeah, he, there's so many Broncos and Colorado ties for the 49ers. It's obvious. It's 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 kind of ridiculous if you're not from Denver and rooting for the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it it does have to sting a little bit though, since you could have had Shanahan and probably John Lynch if uh, Elway wasn't such an egomaniac and a, a megalomaniac when it comes to running the team. Um, does that bother you at all that you see what's what's working so well in San Francisco and the yeah. Broncos still can't figure it out? When we first hired Vance Joseph, I thought, okay, this this is going to be a project. But I, 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 I obviously wanted Shanahan first when we were looking, co- looking for coaches three years ago. Shanahan, obviously, not just because of the success he has right now, just because of the pedigree he has. But L.A. obviously didn't want to have to deal with having those Shanahan in the building and possibly taking away from him and wanting more control, which makes sense, I guess. But now we're paying for it, and San Francisco is in the Super Bowl. Um, so it's it's – Interesting. John Lynch is obviously one of my favorite Broncos as well of all time, just just because of the hard nose he always played with too. And um, it's, it's an exciting time for them. Um, I'll definitely be rooting for them, but um, hopefully they pull it off because having a lot of Broncos ties to the 49ers um, kind of gives, gives the edge what I think um, in wanting them to win. But I do believe, however, that they that their defense should um, overtake the 49ers or the Chiefs in the Super Bowl as well. Because if you look at the past the – past, whatever years it has been, um, defenses have won Super Bowls. Broncos had one of the top offenses in the league. I think it was, was it 13 or 14 yeah. when, and when we faced the Seahawks, and Seahawks absolutely obliterated us. And just because their defense was so strong and their offense picked up right after that. And I could see that happening. I couldn't see an absolute blowout. But I could see if San Francisco is able to hold um, – uh, I'd say under 24 points, the Chiefs under 24 points, I can basically see San Francisco in this game. Yeah, it's going to be a good – it's it's basically the best defensive line, best pass rushing defensive line against the best pass blocking offensive line. Mitchell Schwartz is one of the best tackles in football, and he can lock down uh, 
a side of that offensive or the side of the offensive line to where no pressure is going to come from and uh, kind of make Mahomes comfortable back there. It'll be interesting to see who they have pass rush against him. But with the 49ers front seven, you got Joe, Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas is a backup who Solomon Thomas was like the fifth overall pick two years ago in the draft. Yeah. And he's, he's a backup because they've drafted so well after him and, in, and mm-hmm. added in free agency. It doesn't mean that he's, bad and deserves to be a backup just the way that he's been playing so it'll be interesting to see which unit comes out better um and uh i think that i'm gonna stick with the x factor of patrick mahomes and the fact that he's the chief's leading rusher in the postseason it's gonna be it's hard for me to think that the 49ers are gonna be able to play the style of football that they want and beat the chiefs i think that they're going to have to score more than they're used to and it's going to take a lot for them to to try and hold the Chiefs under. If you just go with what you said, twenty four, it's going to take a lot to hold them underneath twenty four. That's true. Yeah, it's 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 going to be all depending on if if San Francisco is able to stop hold Mahomes to a certain amount of yards, a certain amount of touchdowns, then they have a great chance of winning. But if they can't control him, it's going to be an absolute runaway. The 49ers defense is obviously way better than the Titans defense, but Mahomes that touchdown run Mahomes had against the Titans I think that basically sealed the game for them and I don't even know if that put them in the lead or or what the situation was during the game but that long run that he had where he ran over three guys to get into the end zone that basically sparked whatever you want to call it comeback uh the the Chiefs were finally waking up like they had the had to the week before that was just incredible it's cool to see a guy that that's so talented obviously you wish that you're you you probably are, are feeling differently about it just because he's in the same division as your team, but it's basically we're seeing the LeBron James of football at this point. I think in in Patrick Mahomes where he's so good and he can carry a team. Uh, he carried the team last year to the AFC Championship game with a terrible defense and and not as many weapons as he has this year. And now he's just showing how great he truly is. Yeah, I saw I saw this the other day. I, I thought this was a great analogy. Um... I saw how how obviously Brady being what being a goat and being always either around the Super Bowl or being close was compared to LeBron, and also saw it as um, Mahomes is very much like KD, where although he, he hasn't left anywhere, he's he's one of those up and coming young guys that's just an absolute stud and is going to be arguably one of the best shooters. KD is going to be one of the best shooters of all time. Mahomes could be one of the greatest passers of all time, and I, I kind of compare it like that because I. Don't, I think it is too soon to see to call Mahomes um, one of the greats. I, th- I think we're still too young for that to happen because we we said that about Rodgers and he's only won one Super Bowl. Um, I still I still think we're still too young for that. It's going to be interesting how the rest of his career goes, but he's definitely one of the best people in football right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of it shakes out. Um, for your sake and for the fact that I still live in Denver and my family is are pretty big Broncos fans. I do think I hope that he slows down a little bit, but it's not looking that looking like it's going to end that way. We'll see how um it, it'll depend on what he wants his contract to be after this year and if he takes the Brady contract so that he still gets all the money that he deserves and can kind of earn it in incentives so that way they can still pay people to put around him, then I think that the Chiefs are going to be good for a long time or if he wants all the money right away and doesn't want to make doesn't want to allow the team to be able to make the personnel decisions that they have to this could be a one and done situation i could see it going both ways very easily for the chiefs 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I can see it both, going both ways. Um, hopefully, I'm hoping, hoping it's a later matter of that, just because of the fan, but um, yeah, I can usually see it going both ways. Well, we're, I'm, I want to move in, into a little bit of Colorado sports talk. There's a couple things that I wanted to get your opinion on, and we'll start with the biggest thing that happened yesterday. Um, you're not a huge baseball fan, I know, but Larry Walker being inducted into the MLB Hall of Fame, that's huge because he's the first Rocky to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And it just it, I think that it kind of spark, sparks the conversation again that um, – Denver is a huge sports market. Denver does have really good professional sports teams. It's not like uh, um, Oklahoma City where they only have one team and they're decent half the time. They're, Denver sports, professional sports specifically, are really really good, and I think this is a step to try and get some of the respect that I think Colorado sports deserve. Yeah, Larry Walker, is he's one of my all-time favorite Rockies, and he, he deserved they so earned that Hall of Fame. Um, nomination. Um, I'm ex- it's it's great for Colorado sports uh, that he that he's he was able to do that because now that sets up possibility of Todd Helton possibly getting in and um, obviously Holiday will be a will be a Hall of Famer eventually. But I don't know if he'll he'll be one of his hat. I don't know if his hat's going to be Rocky or the Cardinal or whatever it may be. But he's still starting his career in Colorado. Um, and obviously guys like Tulo possibly could even get in possibly. So I, I don't know, but it's it's definitely a great step in or step in the right in the right direction, I believe so. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough because especially for the Rockies because people don't give them any respect. Uh, Larry Walker was a three-time batting champion, but people always said it's because he plays at elevation and he gets to hit the ball twice as far as everybody else and twice in half the air pressure. So that's partially why I think that he's been snubbed for so long. But I think that it's a step moving towards now that we have Arenado, who's probably the best third baseman in baseball, both defensively and, and offensively when he gets it going. Um, the Rockies, people, I think people forget sometimes how young the Rockies are. I mean, myself included. Um, but uh, they are moving in a good direction, and this is Larry Walker is basically the first guy that was a Rocky way back when it first started. He's basically the first generation of the great Rockies players that we can start seeing move into the into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's 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 the whole Arenado thing too is also an interesting story. But yeah, it definitely sets it up for um, players to be like, it's not only just because the air that these guys are good; these guys can do it outside of course field field also. You know, they're, they're studs outside of um, course field as it is. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to talk about Denver sports-wise, did you see Michael Malone's um, comments about Michael Porter Jr. the other night when they – I can't remember who they lost to, but they had a bad loss where they, they gave up, I think, 41 points in the fourth quarter and ended up losing the lead that they had the entire rest of the game. And Malone was in his post-game press conference and got asked by a reporter why Michael Porter Jr. hasn't been getting a ton of minutes like people want to see, especially the fans of him in Denver. Um, and he basically responded that the the Nuggets are in the place where they're trying to compete for a conference championship and possibly an NBA championship. They're not in the business of trying to develop a young star that they drafted. So he's not going to – Michael Porter Jr. is not going to help the Nuggets make it to an a Eastern or Western Conference final. It's the fact that they need to be able to play better around him. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that and, and where you stand on how MPJ has played since he's been able to um, take the take the floor for the Nuggets. 
I, I do believe that Malone has, has done this the right way. Um, I think by uh, slowly bringing along MPJ, I think that was the right move because obviously, like like you said, we are we are fighting for uh, we are a championship tender type of team. We're not we're not bottom of the barrel where we need to start playing all these young guys and absolutely lose all these games. When you have a good team like we do and such a deep team, you got to play the right people at the right time because every game is important. You lose, you lose, you lose these crappy games. Um, that's going to come back to bite you, and you might get stuck with a four seed or whatever it may be, and then face the Lakers in the first round, and that might end up hurting you. So I, I understand the way they've handled it. Um, I, I the only thing I disagree about that is I do believe Porter could put us over the hump um, if he continues his his his, his streak right now because he's been playing red hot. If he can continues his streak going into. Um, the postseason, I think he could put us over the hump against some of these teams. Um, but it's, it's a very interesting situation to do because I, I, I think we 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 might be we're more than likely going to be making a deal at the trade deadline. Um, I I personally would love to see Beasley stay in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Beasley's way too good of an ass, way too good of a player um, to be given up on that. For us to be giving up that much on him, although he's a free agent, I think if we possibly made a deal where we where we could package, I know people aren't going to like this, but uh, package Will Barton and package a player possibly like Wancho, whoever it may be for even or Gary Harris for Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, I, I've been looking. He he just came back from injury, but he had an absolute incredible game. I think we sh- we're giving up way too much on Lake Beasley because if you look going into the future for the Nuggets, if you look going into the future in the Nuggets, the the starting lineup that I envision from three or four years from now would be Murray, Gary Harris, two guards depending on that, small forward MPJ, power forward Jeremy Grant, and then obviously Jokic at the center. And I think that's a future lineup. That's a great future lineup that could possibly um, be an NBA title um, team depending on Jokic's and uh, Murray's um, development. So it's 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 going to be interesting to see what they want to do. I I. I I think Beasley is an absolute incredible player. Um, what what they it depends on what we get back from them too. Because if we're able to get a quality backup or a quality six man for him, then I'd be all for it. But I think Beasley's one could be a possible like either starter over for Gary Harris position or possibly a great six man off the bench. Yeah, and this is a one of the first times I can remember where the Nuggets are going to have to be. Um, buyers at the at the trade deadline they they have the assets that they can make a huge move um and right now they're third in the western conference a half game behind the clippers um and then los angeles the lakers are the number one in the western conference <clears throat> i agree that the situation that the nuggets are in are, is a little bit different they weren't expecting to get a player like michael porter jr and normally when a franchise gets a, a uh, projected number one pick, especially in basketball, they just are assumed to play right away because they're the hopes and dreams of the franchise. But the Nuggets are in a place where they've built up such a talented roster around him that yes, Michael Porter does need to play and he needs to start kind of building up his minutes a little bit. But if he goes out there and he's in the minus and in, in the differentials where he's given up more points than he's scoring, then he Malone has every right to pull him off the court and try and fig, fix his defense somehow. Um, that's probably the only place that I see Porter not being a, a true NBA talent is the defensive end of the floor. Now there's not a lot of defense being played in the NBA other than probably Patrick Beverly, but 
I, I can see where Malone's coming from, that if this guy's giving up more points than he's scoring, he's a liability on the floor. We're at a point in time in the franchise's history to where we need to be able to win these games, get a top three seed, and move on to bigger and better things. We're not here just to develop the young stars of tomorrow. Yeah, it, it's it's important, too, for us to stay in that two to three range because, obviously, Lakers – has given us a lot of trouble, and the last thing you want to do is see LeBron James across the way in the second round. If we're able to stay in that two to three range, I'd be more willing. This is crazy to say, but if I had to pick between the two, I'd be more willing to play the Clippers in the second round than the Lakers, just because LeBron's on the other side, and and facing a team where the Clippers not have not necessarily played at full strength all year and don't necessarily have the chemistry. Um, that the Lakers may have, I think. It, I think we'd have a better shot playing the Clippers in the second round if we were if both teams were able to get past the first. Yeah. Uh, either way, they, any way that they do it, they need to step up their defense a little bit. Last year, they had one of the highest differentials of anybody in the NBA, and this year, they're they're sitting at plus three point seven, so they're still in the in the green. But it could be, definitely be a lot better. And as a I'm not, like I said, I'm not necessarily the biggest basketball fan, but I can kind of assume just based off of what I know from other sports, the teams with the best differentials are the teams that can kind of, the teams that play the best in the postseason have the best defense at that time, and they're able to stop the other team um, with the exception of Golden State, where Golden State can just shoot the lights out against anybody. Um, The defense is going to have to step up for the Nuggets, and I think if they make a move at the trade deadline to get either some more points that they can work with or if they get a guy who's really good on defense that can kind of be their bulldog on the court, I think that's going to be their best move for them going forward. Yeah, I I think going to the trade deadline, it's it's also important to look at, like, Millsap being gone, Gary Harris being gone, those are two of the top defenders we have. Millsap's a great um, big man defender and Gary Harris can guard one through one through almost four. It, it, he's it, getting those two guys back will be great for our defense. Um, it's just it's it's a very very ta- it's a good problem to have when we have too many assets that should be game play time. It's a great problem to have. Yeah, first time that I think I've ever seen the Nuggets have too many good players that have to share minutes. So uh, I'm more than more than happy with it. Um, and then kind of wrapping up here, uh, didn't want to keep you too long. I know that you're back at GCU and, and you're working through classes just like I am. So, uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you, and I didn't get to ask you it in your first episode of the podcast, I saw it the day before we recorded. Um, but there was a thing going around on Twitter that if you could own and, and manage any franchise in any of the professional sports, which one would you pick and why? Um, and since you're going into agency and a little bit more of the sports management side of things, I kind of wanted to get your opinion on that, see who you wanted to take over as the owner for and, and what you would do and why the situation you picked um, for that team. I've, oh, man, this, this is a tough one. I think obviously my two top two options right now would probably be the Nuggets or the Avalanche um, just because of the, the, raw, the raw talent each team has. I would uh, – Avalanche would be fun to work with just because of McCarr and McKinnon and absolute studs, and they probably have a better chance of winning the cup. But I, I would probably say Nuggets just, just based on um, it'd be fun to, to see the different combinations I could deal with and what I what I could go into and what um, what free agency would loom because obviously Denver right now is a free agency um, hotspot. People people might want to come play for 
play with Jokic, play with Murray, play with players like this. This could be a could be a place players want to come play for. And say we make a huge trade or get a bunch of assets thrown together and, and get a land a guy like Bradley Beal, land a guy like Drew, Drew Holiday, or even land a guy like um, Blake Griffin or Kevin Love at the, at the four. That 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 could be that could be fun to work with. Um, so I, I would say probably the Nuggets. All right, uh, I'm gonna go with. Um... I'd actually want to own an XFL team just because I think that would be uh, cool coming up. I'm a I'm super excited for the XFL. I don't know your thoughts on it. I don't know if you think that it's going to be a joke like a lot of people are, are thinking or if it's going to be bad football like we saw last year in the AAF. But I would probably, if I had the option uh, to create a new franchise, I would put a franchise in Denver for the XFL, and I'd, li- I'd like to run that team because – you're getting guys that were really good in college and they didn't get the shot at the next level or trying to get another shot at the NFL level. And I think that would be cool to work with and cool to be like a VP of player personnel and the GM for them and get to basically put together your roster and you get to decide what the new team is going to look like. I think that's the biggest thing um, for me is being able to decide what the face of a new franchise would be. So that, that would be my pick. Yeah, I, I think the XFL it's second t- time around. I think it's it's going to be a lot more successful. I just it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see if it if it is like the first time it was, where it's just going to be absolute crap show, just just an absolute mess. Um, but I, I'm I'm excited for it. I, I think it should be good. It's it's more football. You can't really hate on more football. <laughs> no, it's going to be fun. Um, I'm learning the different rules and stuff, so I. I'll be able to. Uh, I'll be an expert at them at some point. There are some new, interesting rules that are coming through. The main thing that I think is going to help the league out: one, it has real money behind it. It's not based off of a promise and a handshake like the AAF was. That was a complete joke, and and the fact that nobody knew about that. All those players that were promised money in the AAF should have the right to go sue or murder the guy that <clears throat> said that he had the money to back up the league. But this has real money behind it. And then the contracts, the way that they're structured, is you have to play at least two seasons in the XFL. You can't have a one-and-done to where you have a miraculous season one year and then get called up right to the NFL. And I think that's going to help the XFL brand because then you're going to have stars for multiple seasons and then maybe they do want to stay in the XFL because they like the way that the game is played there and want to take a little bit extra time. So there are a couple things that the XFL has going for it that I think the AAF struggled with last year. Yeah, I, th- I think having a face like Vince McMahon, who's a great businessman, knows exactly what to do and how to market a certain certain team in certain ways, I think that will make um, the XFL definitely succeed more than the AAF. Yeah, uh, I'm a XFL, the Los Angeles Wildcats are my team. So hopefully I can, if I get an XFL championship, that'll make up for the 20 years of not having a Bengals playoff win. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pick a team now too, because I don't, I don't think Phoenix has a team either. So I'm gonna have to. No, um, I don't think Phoenix does. It's Los Angeles, Dallas, Houston, Tampa, um, New York, and then DC are the eight teams. So the, I'll have to do. I'll have to do some homework and come up be get a favorite team then. All right. Uh, are our classes going well since you've been back at school? I know you and I got back. You started school a week before me, but you went back to um, Arizona a couple weeks ago. So what what have classes been like since you got back to campus? Yeah, classes are good. It's great to be back with all my friends here. Um, my, bro- my little brother goes to school with me here too out there, so it's awesome having him around. Um, 
be able to relax and just enjoy time here. Last last semester, so it should be it should be a good time. You, do you have a senior schedule, or are you still having some no, tough classes? In your no, senior I, year? I I do not have a I have a fully loaded schedule. Um, it's 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 fully loaded. That's for sure. Well, There's no walk in the park. That's for sure. Unfortunately, you, I wish it was a walk in the park. Senior schedule. It'll be good for you to have a tough load class load before you get it out into the job market. So I think that'll actually end up benefiting you. But Nico, thanks for agreeing to be the first two-time guest on center of attention. Um, and, and thanks for uh, agreeing to do this again with me. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Of course, but thank you. Thank you for having me back. Hopefully I'll be able to do this again. If you have me back for whatever it may be, but um, I really enjoyed uh, listening to the first podcast again and listening to this one again, or let or then now I'm going to listen to this one. Hopefully it turns out well. Um, thanks again for having me, Jim P. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think people are going to like this. I think people enjoyed your first episode, and now you're just going to get more traction. But uh, thanks for thanks for being here. I, I love you, Nick. Love you, brother. All right, bye. Like I said, thank you for listening to this episode of Center of Attention. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, I am at Jimmy Pilato on Twitter. It'll be in the show notes. And then, uh, like always, Instagram at proud underscore WAP. And then my Facebook, just Jimmy Pilato. I uh, want to plug our radio show as well, Gunnison Sports Talk Radio. Put out on our SoundCloud page. The Gun- if you just search Gunnison Sports Talk Radio on SoundCloud, you'll be able to find it. We actually just had our head men's basketball coach here at Western on for a quick interview. And uh, that show's pretty cool. Rev, Tyler, and I enjoy doing it. We get to talk a lot about sports, gets to um, give our opinions and put them out into the sports world. So uh, please go and check out that show if you enjoy Sports Talk Radio as well. Um, And then, like I said, like the show, subscribe to the show, give us a rate and review so we can keep building this thing. Thanks, guys. Face me, tell me how you hate me Erase me, erase me, wish you never dated me Lies, tell me lies, baby, tell me how you hate me Hate me, hate me, tell me how you hate me Tell me how I'm trash and you can easily replace me Tell me that I'm strung out, wasted on a daily Probably cause there's no one around me numbing all my pain Probably cause there's no umbrella to shoot me from all the rain Probably because you're the one playing the mind game You hate me because I don't let you play no mind games They give me my grace And damn it